this month, I took a road trip for the ages. Uh, I was a senior in high school. I can't believe I was a senior in high school 25 years ago. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what it was. And so we uh, grew up in Anderson, Greenville area, South Carolina. And one of my best friends, who was a teammate on my high school football team, got selected to play in the South Carolina high school uh, all-star game. That was a big deal. And it was always, the game was always at Myrtle Beach High School. So we thought this was a great opportunity to take a trip to the beach in December, right? So four friends and I gathered up on early the Saturday morning of the game, December 1994, to drive from upstate South Carolina down to Myrtle Beach to see him play in this game. I was 17 uh, the th- three of the others were, were 17, were, were seniors. I think we had one that was younger with us. First time taking a road trip like this without our parents. You remember how stupid you were at 17? Yeah. So we go, and man, we're just having the biggest time. And, you know, I didn't grow up in much of a beach family, but I've been to Myrtle Beach a few times. My friends had been a lot. It's pretty simple. You take I-26 from the upstate down to uh, Columbia, I-20 intersects, and you hit 20 to go to Florence, and uh, then you take the road from kind of Florence on into to Myrtle Beach. Easy peasy. We're just laughing, having a good old time. We're singing songs, telling jokes. We get to uh, Columbia. We hit 20. We're still rocking and rolling. I'm driving. And then all of a sudden, I see this sign that says, next five exits, Augusta. Now, I don't know how well you know geography, but Augusta is not going in the same direction as Myrtle Beach. And we just weren't paying attention. And we went I-20 West instead of I-20 East because we were 17. And did I mention, do you remember how stupid you were at 17? And we're just laughing and we turn it around, speed back the other way. We actually get to the game right as they kicked off and we got to see it. But man, it was just kind of a disaster trip for the last third of the trip. And sometimes when you're not paying attention, that's what happens. When you're not paying attention, you can just end up going in the wrong direction. You end up in the wrong place. If you're not paying attention, you can end up with the wrong people. And one of the problems is that sometimes you don't know you ended up in the wrong place. And sometimes you don't, if you're not paying attention, you don't know if you ended up at the wrong, with the wrong people. Here's, here's something I know about you, okay? This is something I want, that you, you know this is true, but I know this about true, is that you're going in a direction right now. Your family's going in a direction, your relationship, a dating relationship, a marriage is going in a direction, your career's going in a direction, your, uh, your, your spiritual life is going in a direction, your financial life is going in a direction, but right now you've got several areas of your life that are like the key components of what make up your life, and they're all going in a direction. So here's the question I would want to ask you, are you paying attention, do you even know your direction? Do you know, yeah, this is where I'm headed. This is where my, my family's headed. This is where we're headed as, as a husband and wife. This is where we're headed. This is where I'm headed my job. Or this is where I want to get in my faith and my spiritual life. Do you know your direction? And then, the, so this, is a, this next question is, do you like your direction? Do you like where you see your marriage going? Do you like where you see your faith and your walk with God going? Do you like where you see your career going? Or do you need to change the directions? 
Well, today we're going to look at the story of the Magi, these, these kings that we sung about. And it's a story about some men who changed directions. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that every single one of us in this room have some area of our lives that we need to change directions in. And we're going to look at this story and what they did. Because these guys changed directions, but they had a choice whether or not they were going to go in a new direction. And their decision changed the course of human history and cemented Christmas kind of forever and everything we know about Christmas. It had the, uh, the possibility to change Christmas as we know it. Well, there's a lot of meat to the story, so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to look at the beginning of chapter 2 of the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, one of four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He was one of the original 12 disciples, and this is his account of Jesus' kind of birth story that he learned from his relationship and his time with Jesus. So if you don't have a Bible, take one as you leave. We want to give one of those Bibles for you to study this story and some of our devotions that you can find in the bulletin. Let's look at what it says in Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. So when does it say this happened? It's the blue word right at the beginning. After. This happened after. This happened after. This happened after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It was after. I have some disappointing news for you. The Magi were not at the manger. Your nativity set at home is biblical heresy. I just... We've got some heretics in the house. Um, they just weren't there. It was, this was after. This is after Jesus was born. We don't know how long after. It's not too long because Jesus, we're going to see, is still in Bethlehem. And Jesus was raised in Nazareth. So he is still in the town he was born in. It could have been a week, month, uh, two months. It, it, some scholars think it, it was as up to a year and a half. Uh, or, or a little more after, but it was after. We don't know how long after. We just know it was after. That's what Matthew tells us. So there's something else. How many magi were there? Uh, mm, mm. How many magi do you have on your little set at home? You have three, right? You have three because we'll later on find out that they brought three gifts, but Matthew doesn't say that there were actually three of them. It just says that there were magi. So now every time you look at your nativity set, I want you to think about how biblically inaccurate it is. But don't worry, I've got one. We've all got one, okay? Don't worry about that. Let's look at what it does actually say. And what does it say about them? They were from the east. And that's a big deal that they were from the east. That's a big deal because they weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. And that's really going to be important in the story. The next verse, it says this. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? So they just came to, to Jerusalem and just started asking around, hey, have you heard? Does anybody know? Do you know? We've heard that there might be a king of the Jews. We have seen 
his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. Now, just three real things I just want to unpack about this one verse. The first thing is this this phrase, king of the Jews. Remember that. That's going to be important. But then there's something else that's kind of interesting. It says, we've seen his star in the east. They were following this star. But they're not seeing things real clear right now. They're a little bit confused because where are they at? They're in Jerusalem. Where's Jesus? Bethlehem. They missed him by five and a half miles. Bethlehem's five and a half miles from Jerusalem. Now, I don't know how hard it is to exactly tell where a star is right over, right? Is it right there? No, it's right there. It's kind of hard to tell, right? I mean, I guess if you would say if they were coming from hundreds of miles away, which of course we believe they were coming from the east, that five and a half miles ain't bad. But they're a little confused right now as to exactly what they're doing, where they're going, and even who they're coming to see. But they've got a specific thing that they want to do, and it says, we've come to honor him. And if any of you have your phones open to your, maybe a different translation, or you've got a Bible open before you, some translations use the term, we've come to worship him. And I actually think that's better. Because this word honor means something different. It is the Greek word, which Matthew was originally written in Greek and translated into English for us, but that word in Greek is proskuneo. And for people in the East, that would have been meaning to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. And I love that, that terminology, profound reverence. What word do you think we get from this word, proskuneo? Prostrate. Right? If you ever heard somebody that's fallen prostrate on the floor, on their face before God. This is, this is a really important thing, this word. You're going to see this word come up three times in this passage. But guess what? Not everybody means what they say. Do you know that? Not everybody means what they say when they say, I've come to worship. Now, all right. So the next verse, it says this. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. So remember, they haven't gone to King Herod's palace. They didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. They just kind of had a general vicinity. They ended up in Jerusalem. They missed it by five and a half miles. And they're asking around town and word gets out to King Herod about these guys. He's flipping through Twitter and Instagram. He sees the post about what's going on in Jerusalem and he hears, and he's greatly troubled. Why do you think he's troubled? Oh, because he's the king of the Jews. (laughs) And there are people looking for a new king of the Jews. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled. And everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. And he gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. So he's like, what's going on here? I want to know what's happening. And this is so fascinating to me. So they said, so all the, these the legal experts, these are people who understand the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew story, and they said in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what, this is what the prophet wrote. So they quote the Hebrew scriptures. 
You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, even though they were such a small little community, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Turns out the king of the Jews is such a great king of the Jews, he doesn't even know what the Hebrew scriptures say about the king of the Jews. Isn't that interesting? So then, here's what happens. Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. Now, if you were watching the movie of this, you know what you would be saying to the Magi? No, 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 no. Don't tell him. No, right? No, don't tell him. It's like, no, don't go into the shed where all the chainsaws are, right? You're watching the movie. You're like, no. Oh, don't tell him. But they just spill the beans. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, it turns out several months ago we started seeing a star. They just give him the exact timeline. And then it says he sent them to Bethlehem because they had not nowhere, they had no idea where to go, saying, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him and proskuneo and worship him and fall down on my face before him, but not everybody means what they say. This, we kind of miss this in the story of the Magi because they're kind of so much a part of the Christmas story and kind of our thinking about Christmas is that at this point in the story, the Magi are kind of confused. They're not seeing things clearly. Have you just thought about that? They missed Bethlehem by five and a half miles. They showed up with the wrong king of the Jews, and they can't tell which are the good guys and the bad guys. Because they're just telling, well, yeah, they'll just tell them everything. And sometimes in our stories, we get kind of confused because we're not paying attention. And if you're not careful, you just can kind of go off mark, off path, in the wrong direction. And right now, they're just kind of at a almost like a fork in the road. It's kind of who they're going to be, what their part in the first Christmas story is going to be. But I love this, I love this next part. It says, when they heard the king, they went and look, Matthew writes, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with, with joy. As they came closer to Birmingham, to, to Birmingham, to Bethlehem, <laughs> for Behem, right. That's a new t-shirt, for Bethlehem, Behem. We got to work that out next Christmas. We're going to do that out. Yeah. That's our Christmas series next year, for Bethlehem. When they get closer to Bethlehem, all of a sudden, the star that had been five and a half miles off got more and more specific. All of a sudden, the things that had been a little unclear got clear. And here's what I just want to tell you. The closer you get to Jesus, the clearer things become. The closer you get to Jesus, the clearer things become. The closer you get to Jesus, the more clearly you'll be able to see people around you for who they really are. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll be able to tell about the direction your job is going, your career is going. The closer you get to Jesus, the more clear things will become in your marriage and in your parenting and in your engagement and in your dating life. The closer you get to Jesus, the clearer things become. People think that preachers 
want people to come to church just to fill the seats. And we want you to be in a small group because we think you ain't got nothing better else to do. And we want you to serve because we want you to be busy. And we want you to open your Bible and read it at home because we've got some kind of agenda we're trying to push on you. Here's the agenda. I'm trying to get you closer to Jesus. And I think worship, and I think accountability in groups, and I think serving, and I think getting uh, with your Bible in your lap at your home when nobody else is around will bring you closer to Jesus. And if you'll get closer to Jesus, you'll make better decisions. You'll get better direction, and the clearer things will become in your life. And here's, here's the cool thing about this. this. At this moment, when they finally get so close to Jesus, something happens. It changes everything. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they honored him. They proscuneoed him. They worshiped him. They fell on their face before him. They opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They didn't just talk about it. They humbled themselves. They knelt and bowed down. And when they got into the presence of God, they adored him in worship. And they began to see things differently because in humility, they came before him. Humility has a posture. Humility has a posture. That posture is an reverence and awe of Almighty God. And listen, this is stunning for Matthew to write this. If you go back and start at chapter 1 of Matthew, he spends three-fourths of, of the very first part of chapter 1. Most people skip right through it. You're like, well, I don't need to read that part. You know what it is? It's a genealogy of Jesus. Three sets of 14 generations that prove Jesus is a descendant of David, who is a descendant of Abraham, to prove Jesus' Jewishness, to, to prove to the world that he is very, very, very Jewish, that he is the king of the Jews. And then the next part in Matthew chapter 1 is the story of how Joseph, a descendant of King David, became the the earthly father of Jesus by accepting a call to raise a child who was not his own, a child born of the Holy Spirit. Why? To prove that Jesus is very, very, very Jewish. And what does Matthew write about the first group of people that come and bow down before this newborn king of the Jews? They're not Jewish. They're Gentile. The very first thing Matthew seems to say is that this king of the Jews is for everyone. And the very last thing Matthew just about writes is in chapter 28 when Jesus tells his disciples to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. You don't have to be Jewish to come to Jesus. Gentiles are welcome too. You don't have to be religious. Non-religious people are welcome too. Everybody can come and bow down before Jesus about the only people who can't are the ones who won't bow down. But can we just talk about for this for a second? Our bodies are linked to our souls. Right, you ever had a conversation a conversation with your spouse and they're like this right or a teenager and they're like this or a boss 
And they're like this. Why doesn't that work? Because our bodies are linked to our spirits. Right? Our bodies are linked to our attitudes. So, let's get real here for a second. When's the last time you let go in worship? In your praise and adoration and proskuneo with Almighty God? I mean, or are you just kind of a keep your hands in your pockets, give a little chicken wing worship? You know what I mean? Band's got a little beat going. I'm going to give them a little chicken wing right there. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to hold your hands out. I'm not telling you you've got to raise your hands in worship. But I am telling you if the reason you won't is because of pride, that's not good. If the reason you won't is because you're afraid to humble yourself before God because you're afraid about what other people might think, that's not good. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you got down on your knees in the privacy of your home before God? When's the last time you got down on your face before God? It's hard to do because it's humbling, isn't it? You feel weak. You are. I am. You, you can pray anywhere, any, any, any way. I pray when I'm driving. I try not to close my eyes. <laughs> but the posture of your heart is different on your knees, on your face. And if you and I would do this, something might begin to change in our hearts when we humble ourselves before God. Listen to this. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This experience of on their face before God, this experience of being humble before this baby king of the Jews, can you imagine not bowing before a king, a ruler, and even a resurrected Lord, bowing before a baby out of reverence for what you know God has done in your life? This experience of humility changes something in them and they all of a sudden figure out that Herod is the bad guy. They all of a sudden figure out that things aren't the what they thought. They take a very different course that literally changes the course of human history and cements them in the Christmas story, that first Christmas forever. And here's what I would just tell you the lesson is from these guys is when you change your heart, you change directions. You want to change your heart? You'll change directions. When you change your heart, you change the direction you're going. When you humble yourself before God, the posture of your heart, you set your life on a different course. You never know what one worship service, what one small group, what one time just before God in prayer at your home, what one time taking 15 minutes to open your Bible and say, God, speak to me. I'm humbling myself before you. You have no idea what one moment with God where you humble yourself before him will do to change your heart and alter the course and the direction of your life forever. But if you go through life without that and think, I'll just kind of do it my own way or I'm not going to pay attention to my navigational heart system, you'll just look up one day and see a sign that says, next five exits, Augusta. 
and nothing against the good people of Augusta, Georgia, but it ain't Myrtle Beach. And I don't want you to end up in a place you didn't mean to go. I want you to end up somewhere on purpose. Change your heart, you change your direction. Change your heart, you might just change history. Because this isn't the end of the story, you know that. Maybe you don't know the rest of the story, but it turns out King Herod had no plans to worship and honor Jesus. He had plans to extinguish him. He was going to take the intel that the Magi had given him and kill this newborn king of the Jews because he was a threat to his throne. And once he figured out, you can read the next few verses, once he figured out that the Magi had outwitted him in a fit of rage, he ordered every child of a son, every son in Bethlehem in the vicinity to be killed ages two years and under. But check this out. The time that the Magi bought Mary and Joseph was just long enough for God to speak to Mary and Joseph and give them enough time to flee to Egypt where Jesus and Mary and Joseph would stay until Herod died and they came back to live in Nazareth. What if they had not changed directions? You ever think about that? What if then they had not had that moment of humility where they begin to see things differently? And what if for you, you don't change directions? Here's the a, here's a crazy thing about this. Herod had the position that anyone would have envied having. He had the highest authority, the highest throne, the highest position in his culture. But he could not humble himself to bow down before another king. And though we know Herod's name, no one names their little boys Herod. And no one has little statues of Herod in their house. And he is a footnote in the Christmas story. But the Magi? Well, we don't know their names, so we gave them one. We call them wise men. And we sing songs about them every Christmas. And we put little statues of them in our homes every December because they might not have been at the manger, but they were heroes of the first Christmas. And I don't know if you want to be a hero, but maybe you need to change directions. Maybe you got something in your life that you know you've kind of been holding on to proudly. Or maybe it's just something that you're just not paying attention and I want to ask you to humbly give it before God, to hand it to him, to offer it to him in an act of worship. Here's what I can promise you. If you want to change directions when you leave those doors, you'll have to change your heart first. Because you won't go in the new direction of the new path out there until you let God do some work in here. And this is really simple. You got a card in your bulletin, and there's some more up here. And on this card, I want you to write something that you want to hand to God. 
something that you're saying, you know what, this is how I want to honor him this Christmas. I want to, there's a relationship that I need my heart changed in. There's an attitude that I need my heart changed in. There's, a, there's something going on with my career. I want it to go this way, but I feel God calling me to go this way. And I need to hand my career to honor and worship him. My marriage, I want to honor him. My spiritual life, there's something about my calendar and, and my own devotional life. I need to honor him. And I want to tell you something. You can do this in your seat, but the posture of your heart will be different by physically bringing it to offer to him. This is also going to be the place and the time that we bring our Christmas offering. And I hope every single person will bring one of these cards to offer something that you want God to change in your heart. And those that feel called and led to come forward and to bring our Christmas offering. And here's what I can tell you. This paper and that Christmas offering, it's a lot like that gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's a symbol of our devotion, and it's a step in a different direction. You want to change directions? Say, dear Lord, I humble myself before you. I fall down on my face before you. Change my heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these wise men who in humility fell down on their face before a baby because they felt Almighty God speak into their hearts. Lord, we come for, for you today and we just tell you today that we want to bring up these things. We're going to write down things that we want to change. And what we're telling you, God, is that you're God and we're not. You are the most high Lord and we're not. You are the alpha and the omega and we're not. You're the beginning of the end and we're not. You are the first and the last and we're not. So we humble ourselves before you to change our hearts in our careers and our relationships and our faith and our marriages and our family. Change our hearts that we might go in a new direction that we might take another route Lord we know we got work to do that it won't all get fixed because we write something on a piece of paper and put it in a basket we know that this will be daily that we'll have to continue to yield this to you when we walk out these doors. We know, God, this just won't fix everything. But it's a first step, Lord. It's a first step in us humbly placing our forehead on the ground before you and saying, change us. Lord, as we bring these Christmas offerings we ask for you to bless them. It's yours, not ours. It belongs to you, not Mountaintop. So help us just to be the stewards of what your people give so that other people in our community who don't know you might have their heart changed by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. We pray all this, Lord, in the name of the King of the Jews. the newborn baby who became the crucified Savior of the world. 
our Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to stand, sing with our band as we worship, and I want to invite you to come.